What's going on, everybody? Welcome to a Monday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio inside NRG Stadium. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst and silent reporter. And coming to you a day after 30-23 loss to the Indianapolis Colts. Third loss in a row to the Colts. Another gut punch, a game that had opportunities throughout and could not capitalize. And it was a frustrating game on a lot of different levels. If I had told you going in, you're going to hold the Colts to 62 yards rushing. If somebody had told me that, I would have said, we'll win by two touchdowns. But that didn't, that didn't come to fruition. If I had told you that a Colts quarterback threw four touchdowns, one of those obviously being a screen pass, but whatever, I would have said, boy, Andrew Luck come back? Oh, look, I think Jacoby Brissett is – a young, rising quarterback, but he's got a lot of weapons. And he's got a really good offensive line. And in man coverage yesterday, he did not have to make a difficult throw all day. Go back and watch the tape. There's not a difficult throw he had to make all day long. That said, not going to take anything away. He got banged up. Texans beat him up yesterday. Uh, they got back there a few times. They ended up with eight quarterback hits. J.J. has had six of them. J.J. was uh, phenomenal. Watt, six quarterback hits. He had six of the eight. The Colts, they had six quarterback hits. Four of them from a Houston, Justin Houston. But it was missed opportunity after missed opportunity. It started on the first drive, and it continued all the way through the interception at the very end. It was always, oh, man, yeah, off the field, off third. Oh, there's a penalty. Oh, man, we just got, uh, and then got stopped in the red zone. Oh, touchdown, Hopkins. He's in the grasp. It was just that kind of day, all day. And there are things to clean up. There are things to do better. And the Texans, unfortunately, did not get those things done on Sunday against the Annapolis Colts. But in a month from today, November 21st, Thursday night. Now, there are three ball games before that. Raiders home, Jags London, Ravens in Baltimore. None of those are going to be easy. None of those are going to be easy. And then you got the Colts a month from now. So there's no glossing over any of those games to get to the Colts on a Thursday night. But I guarantee you that that loss will sting just because the Texans didn't play at a high level. They didn't execute at a high level. There were moments of brilliance in that game. The five-play, 75-yard drive in a minute 43 when it was 21-9 to and went down for a touchdown, brilliant. I mean, bing, bang, boom, tempo, touchdown. It went from it was 14-9, to it took them forever to score. We go down in a minute 45, bang, touchdown, 21-16. And they're like, whoa. They never flinched. I'll give them credit. They never flinched. Not at all. All right, we got John McClain on the show tonight. We got Andre Ware on the show tonight. But we're going to start off with some hot reads brought to you by Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Now, on a Monday, the hot reads to me, I like to go around the NFL. What happened around the league yesterday? Now, Thursday night, you know what happened with the Chiefs and the Broncos. So let's start in Atlanta, where Jalen Ramsey was making his initial appearance for the L.A. Rams, and something must have clicked because the Rams got off the schneid. The Rams were 3-3, three and three, had started 3-0, and oh, lost three in a row, and this one really was about Jared Goff. 22-37 for 268 yards and two touchdowns, and he dropped a dime on Todd Gurley for a 13-yard touchdown, and Matt Ryan gets injured. Sacked five times against the Rams 
But Jalen Ramsey making that appearance for the Rams, that could end up kind of flipping things. That gave them a little bit. Ramsey yesterday didn't do a whole lot, didn't throw the ball at him all that much. He had four tackles, and he did have a forced fumble uh, for the Rams. But, man, Dante Fowler, the other jag that is now with the Rams, three sacks of Matt Ryan yesterday. Rams win big 37-10 to in Atlanta, and uh, Atlanta is not looking good. This one was a lot closer than people expected. This is a 17-point spread, and I gave this one to you perfectly. I told you Buffalo would win, but not by 17. They're not at that point yet. They can win a game. They're not going to win by 17. But the Bills beat the Dolphins 31-21, to and with a 24-21, and Ryan Fitzpatrick scoring an 11-yard run in a building he had owned a few years ago, cut it to within three, the ensuing onside kick with 138 left. Micah Hyde took it back to the house to give the Bills a 31-21 win. And don't look now, but the Buffalo Bills are 5-1. and one. You can argue you haven't beaten anybody, but they probably play the Patriots as well as anybody has this year. Speaking of undefeated, well, the Dolphins don't have a win, and the Bengals don't have a win, so they're not undefeated. They're defeated. Either way, they got defeated again on Sunday as the Jaguars – Score 18 in the fourth quarter. Down 10 to 9 going into that fourth quarter. The Jags turn up the heat a little bit. Keelan Cole, touchdown catch. Yannick Ngakwe, a pick six. A field goal that got it to 27 to 10. Bing, bang, boom. Andy Dalton scored to make it 27 17, but it was over as the Jags get a win in Cincinnati. Leonard Fournette. 29 carries, 131 yards, no touchdowns, but controlled the clock as Gardner Minshew threw for 255 and a touch against the Bengals. The Jags moved to three and four. Vikings, oh boy, don't look now, but Mr. Guaranteed Money, Kirk Cousins, is tearing it up. 300 yards and over 300 yards and four touchdowns. I think that's the third game in a row. Ever since the Vikings last lost, and I'm trying to remember who beat them, but Adam Thielen... And Stephon Diggs were just crying up a storm. Well, Thielen didn't have a ton to do with this win over the Lions. But he did have a touchdown catch. One catch, 25 yards. Stephon Diggs caught seven passes, 142 yards. And Delvin Cook had 142 yards rushing. Because of the story, 337 yards, four touchdowns. They beat Detroit in Detroit. And the Vikings are now 5-2 and two with an offense. Believe that. Aaron Rodgers was perfect. Absolutely stone-cold perfect. Passer rating, 158.3. 429 passing yards, five touchdowns, five to five different receivers. Jimmy Graham, Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, Marcus Valdez-Scantling, and Jake Kumaro. Aaron Rodgers gets the win over the Texans' next opponent, the Oakland Raiders. Raiders fall to 3-3, three and three. Packers now 6-1. and one. How about this story in Arizona? The Arizona Cardinals are now 3-3-1 three, three and one after starting 0-3-1, wondering when Cliff Kingsbury was going to get a win. He's gotten three in a row, and the story in this one is not David Johnson, but it's Chase Edmonds from Fordham. Fordham, yeah, you know that? It's in New York City. 27 and 126 on the ground and three rushing touchdowns. Three. Kyler Murray only threw for 104. Rainy day, bad weather, uh, 126 yards for Chase Edmonds. But how about this? 
On the defensive side, the Cards had eight sacks. Eight. Four of those, Chandler Jones. He had a day and a half. One of those being a strip sack. Patrick Peterson. He came back, played his first game after being suspended for six games. He had a sack uh, and also a forced fumble. That was big late in the game, and that was it. 27-21. to 21. The Cardinals go to 3-3-1. Three, three, and one. How about that? The Cardinals are a field goal against the Lions away from being 4-3 and three and tied with the Rams in the NFC West. Speaking of NFC West, Niners beat the Redskins 9-0. Yeah, let's move on. Chargers and Titans ball at the one-yard line late in the game. 23-20 lead for the Titans, and the Chargers can't punch it in. And fumble. Ryan Tannehill, Aggie. 23-29, 312 yards, two touchdowns, did throw a pick, but a 120.1 passer rating. And he went to A.J. Brown and Corey Davis 12 times combined for 144 yards and a touchdown. Big day for the passing game at Tennessee. Derrick Henry picks up 90 on the ground. Chargers couldn't stop running water right now. The Titans go to 3-4 and four as the Chargers fall to 2-5. and five. The Saints hammered the Bears. I'll let you do the math, but the Saints are 6-1. and one. And that's five in a row for Teddy Bridgewater as the starting quarterback. 23-38, 281 yards, two touches, no picks. Michael Thomas, big day. Nine catches, 131 yards through the air. Latavius Murray with no Alvin Kamara, 27 attempts, 119 yards. Mitchell Trubisky threw the ball 54 times. Whenever you see Mitchell Trubisky throw the ball 54 times, Bears fans panic because you ran it seven times for 17 yards. Seven times for 17 yards. That's not Chicago Bears football. At least I don't think it is. Maybe it is. Doesn't seem like it should be. But my goodness. Saints, 36-25. Saints, 6-1. and one. Bears, to 3-3. Three and three. The one that shocked me more than any other was this one. I thought for sure the Seahawks would take care of business against the Baltimore Ravens. Not only did the Seahawks not do that, they lost by two touchdowns. Two touchdowns. Two defensive back scoring touchdowns. Marcus Peters had a pick six, and Marlon Humphrey picked up a fumble by DK Metcalf, the rookie out of Ole Miss, for a touchdown. That ended up being a difference, but really the difference in this game was a Lamar Jackson touchdown. It was fourth and two, and the uh, Ravens were about to kick a field goal. Lamar was unhappy. John Harbaugh looked at him and said, did you want to go for it? He goes, heck yeah, I want to go for it. Let's get it. Then Harbaugh turned to the offense coordinator, Greg Roman, said, can we get this? Okay, called timeout, put Lamar in the offense back on the field. Jackson ran it, broke through a hole. He didn't get just the two. He got eight yards. They gave him a touchdown, and that would give them a 20-13 to 13 lead. The Ravens would not look back. The Ravens are now 5-2, and two, along with the Seahawks 5-2. and two. And the Cowboys beat up the Eagles 37-10, to 10, even though Doug Peterson guaranteed a win. That did not happen on this day. All right, there's your Around the NFL in our hot reads. Coming up next, the general, John McClain, right here on Texans All Access. I am calling all Houston area teachers especially those that are teaching third and fourth grade. You want to bring a little Texas football to your classroom and sign up for Toro's Math Drills, presented by ConocoPhillips. Toro's Math Drills is a video series designed to help third and fourth graders learn how to tackle math in the classroom. Go to HoustonTexas.com slash Toro's Math Drills to learn more. I'm telling you, take the stat sheet, the game book, and go in there and teach math. I'm telling you, that's the way to do it. They will learn. I promise you that. Tell them this is the way that Deshaun Watson learned, and they will do it. I promise you. I've done it before. Welcome back to the show, a Monday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. Your Texans <sighs> beat yesterday 30-23 to up in Indianapolis. Colts moved to first place in the AFC South. Texans half a game behind. Got the Oakland Raiders coming in on 
Sunday. We will all be there, including our good friend from the Houston Chronicle, the General, John McClain. He joined us this morning. So your thoughts on what you saw yesterday. Give us the breakdown. If Kiki QT had been able to catch that last pass that he bobbled and was intercepted, they would have been on the 30-something yard line and had at least a couple of shots to the end zone. So as bad as they played in the red zone in the first half and in the secondary because of injuries and let Jacoby Brissett just bombard them with career highs and yards, touchdowns, passer rating, they had a chance right up until the end. And I was watching all the highlight shows last night, and a couple of them mentioned, when's the last time you saw a quarterback called in to grasp? And they couldn't remember because it don't you don't see it anymore. And Deshaun Watson, it's hard to argue with the official's explanation. We're trying to protect you. And as we know, they're all gonna always gonna err on the side of caution. So despite those issues, they could have won that game and and but they didn't and now they go from first place. They could have taken control of it to a half game out of first place. All AFC South teams won but the Texans. Well, John, I, I will argue with the official's explanation because if they're trying to protect him, then why are they not calling a flag on Leonard coming in after the ball is gone with a big, vicious hit on Watson? I mean, down is that if he's actually down at that point before the ball is thrown, then that's a late hit on the, on uh, Darius Leonard. It's it's a weird that's deal. A I know point. you probably don't have the answer to it. So, well, of course, know. I don't have the answer, but it's a great point. You know. Yep. That, they blew the whistle, the play's dead, so it'd be a dead ball foul. John, defensively, uh, man, I don't even know where to start defensively, but I do know where to start, and that's in the secondary. And I made this comment a little while ago, the fact that the most senior member in the building from that perspective after J.J. goes out is Lonnie Johnson, and he's been here since April. That's how, that's how thin that group was. So they played a lot of man coverage yesterday in the fourth quarter. It seemed like they kind of got things going a little bit, and they held the Colts to four punts. They got them to three and outs when they needed to. But, John, it feels like it's feast or famine for that defense in large part because of the secondary. Do you think there is an answer on the trade market? What do you think happens in the secondary going forward, and what do you think they can do to improve it going forward? Um, I'm writing – today for tomorrow that uh, they've been getting bombarded by quarterbacks all season, the good ones, but they've been able to withstand that assault. You know, they lost to Breeze, could have won. Then they beat Rivers, uh, Ryan, and Mahomes, despite giving up a lot of yards and touchdowns, but they couldn't do it with Brissett because they lost too many players. I mean, even Philip Gaines, who was signed off the street, I don't know if he's done for the season, but it looked ugly when he got carted off. Keon Crossan, who's supposed to be a special teams player, he had to play. We asked Bill O'Brien after the game, what would have happened if he'd had to go back on the field? And he said, well, we have a plan in that situation. In other words, they'd have to play more safeties, but even to Sean Gibson, who played with a wrist injury last week at Kansas City, he couldn't come back. Jay Joe, they never announced his injury in the press box. It looked like it was his shoulder, not the hamstring that had kept him out of the previous game. And I I wrote last week I would be stunned if Bill O'Brien doesn't trade for a corner. And they say, well, what does he have to trade? Well, they got Seattle's third-round pick, and that 
could be expendable because it looks like they'll get threes for Tyron Matthew and Kareem Jackson, so they'd have two compensatory picks. A guy like, say, Chris Harris Jr., who covers slot receivers and has been one of the best slot corners in the league for a long time, even though he's in the last year of his contract, he's 30 years old, they're trying to win the division. A guy like that, even if you get him just for the rest of this year, you know, they need him. Bradley Roby, I don't think, will be back before the bye. I'm not sure about J. Joe's injury. And uh, Lonnie Johnson keeps playing better and better. But they got big-time injury issues at corner. And I don't know what the answer is. Second year in a row, they've had a lot of injuries at corner and had to sign guys off the street and try to get them in the game. It's amazing they're doing as well as they are. I'm having trouble filling out a lineup card here in the secondary, to borrow a baseball term. I mean, I'm looking at who they have available, and, yeah, they got to make some moves this week, unless some of these guys are coming back earlier than we expect. So we'll see. I mean, you mentioned trade possibility. Could you get Chris Harris for a three, John? You maybe think? For a, I heard they could get him for a four, maybe. Really? That's what I heard. Now, that, you know, it's a rumor, but like John put John said it. He's 30 years old. He's in the last year of his contract. So you, you can afford it. And I think from a trade capital standpoint, you can afford it as well. But, man, you got to have somebody that can cover, especially if you're going to play that much man-to-man coverage, John. You need to have somebody like a Chris Harris. That's one guy. I mean, who knows? We didn't think Laramie Tunsil was possible, um, and that happened. So who knows what might materialize over the next few days. But it's a very important next few days because of, look, you've got a, really, you've got a good defensive front. You've got a really good defensive front. But you got to be able to cover somebody, and now you know what the Colts can do to you if you don't have it covered in the back end. John, what do you think of the Raiders coming in here as they just gave up a whole lot to the Green Bay Packers on the road? They sure did. Aaron Rodgers accounted for, was it 420, 29 yards and six mm-hmm. touchdowns, including five passing, and Derek Carr, his stats look good, but he had a couple of bad decisions, including an interception, and so... I would imagine that Derek Carr is licking his lips over a chance to to uh, go against the Texans secondary. Texans defense has done a great job against the run. Here comes rookie Josh Jacobs with the Raider. He's been real good, but they've been they totally shut down Marlon Mack yesterday. So the run defense, I believe, is third now. And over the last five games, it has been tremendous. So I'm thinking they're going to shut down the Raiders, force Carr to pass. And it'll come down to to uh, Watson versus Carr. Texans' running game has been stopped twice this year: once by the Chargers when they won, and then by by the uh, Colts. And it never really got started. And when and they the Colts were there to stop the run inside, so they had to make some adjustments. They tried to. By then, it was too late because they had to throw the ball a lot. So I think they'll beat the Raiders, but I thought they'd beat the Colts. Yeah, I mean, that's – I mean, it was funny because I had such a good feeling about going to Kansas City, but I had this sort of pit in my stomach about Indianapolis. Well, it's Indianapolis. Just, like, it's, oh, that's man. that's just you being healthy and intuitive, knowing that this is always going to be a tough game. Yeah, it is. And, it's going to be a tough we, game. We talked about it. One-score game, tough game. John, what about the Titans yesterday and what they were able to do against the Chargers? Ryan Tannehill had a really good game. Greeted with a big ovation by the fans just because he's not Marcus Mariota. But at the end of that game in the last minute, Chargers thought they had two touchdowns. Officials gave them two touchdowns. Replay overruled both. And on their last play, Melvin Gordon couldn't get a foot, and he fumbled. 
So I don't know why they kept handing the ball off. They should have let Rivers throw. But the Titans played great defense. They came away with a victory, and the Chargers were just uh, stunned that they couldn't get it in. Melvin Gordon, who had one of the worst holdouts in history, certainly isn't enhancing his chances to be traded or get a big contract because he's been terrible. John, what? Uh, what's the future of Dan Quinn in Atlanta? And I hate this for him because I know he's a great guy and I know people in the building love him in Atlanta. But what's his future for the Falcons? Not for long. They've been terrible <laughs> since they lost that Super Bowl game at NRG Stadium to the Patriots. Blew it in the fourth quarter and lost in overtime. And they, they look like they've quit on him. And I think Matt Ryan may be hurt. So I feel terrible for Dan Quinn. He's a great guy, but maybe he'll get another chance somewhere else. Could be Matt Schaub taking over. John, the Jags got it done yesterday against the Bengals. I don't want to talk about that game, but this division, let me just zoom out here for a moment. How good do you think the Colts really are or can be? How much of a threat down the line is this as they occupy first place for the moment? I still think the Texans are the best team. I think they'll beat them in Houston. I think that uh, the Colts are getting the maximum out of their players. They're well coached. Matt Eberflus may be the best defensive coordinator in the league that people don't know about. It's probably going to help him get a head coaching job. And remember, he was hired by Josh McDaniels in that short period in which he was the head coach before he took off, went back to the Patriots, and they hired Frank Reich, which worked out great. So they don't make a lot of mistakes. They went into the game. They had committed the fewest penalties for the fewest yards, and it showed. They don't hurt themselves. They had that one turnover on the drop snap. Brzez gets pre- he gets protected well, although J.J. Watt knocked him down six times. And uh, he played a lot better than I thought he was. I was opposite of John. I had a bad feeling going to Kansas City and a good feeling going to Indy. Yeah, it looked like my feelings won out, John. Uh, the Ravens go out to Seattle, John. I thought that Seattle was one of the better teams in the league. I've seen what they did to the Rams and what, the way they've been winning games, the way Russell Wilson is playing. And Lamar Jackson doesn't have a great day throwing it, but he ran it really well. But Russell Wilson didn't have a great game. And he throws a pick six to Marcus Peters, who had just played up there like a week and a half ago. I'm not really sure what to make of the Ravens, John. What do you think of that squad? I think they've been surprising. Lamar Jackson, they're on a pace to shatter the NFL team rushing record. He's on a pace to shatter the quarterback rushing record. We keep thinking he can't sustain this with the hits he's taken, but they're doing it and they're winning. And John Arbaugh's doing a tremendous job. They lost pass rushers. They let defensive players go. And so far, it hasn't hurt them. And uh, I'm looking forward to when the Texans play them. I thought Texans would keep winning and be 7-2 and two when they went there. Now I think they'll be 6-3. and three. John, is Jose Altuve the greatest Astro, and is he the second greatest athlete in Houston sports history? Your thoughts? Well, I couldn't say that because our old Campbell, Kim Olajuwon, and Nolan Ryan, who did it for a long period. But right now, He's the toast of the town. You know, as far as being the greatest Astro, Jeff Bagwell, Craig Biggio are in the Hall of Fame. So I can't say that he's better than them, but he's got a chance to win two World Series. And and Bagwell and Biggio played in one and were unable to win. So he's on his way to being the greatest and maybe the most popular. Okay, John, how's the McLean household handling this uh, Washington Nationals-Houston Astros World oh, Series? Oh, that's right. Yeah. We have, my wife is all kind of Astros stuff. 
She has one Nationals cap. She has a season ticket package to the Astros, and she has one to the Nationals, and we've only been to use them twice. It's a long story. And so I asked her, I said, who are you going to be for? And she said, the Nationals, but if the Astros win, I'll be happy too. And she just took off for, She took off to go to Europe before the Texans play next week. And when, when I get back, she said, be sure and find me a shirt that has both teams on it because I went to the Astros, couldn't find one with both. I want both. And I said my two most famous words, yes, dear. That was John McClain, the general from the Houston Chronicle. Coming up next, our good friend, game analyst, Andre Ware, joined us to talk about a number of things. This game yesterday, Sean Watson, the offense, and what's going on in the AFC South. And what would he do with Nick Foles or Gardner Minshew? Discuss all that next right here on Texans All Access. We've got one final segment of this Monday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans radio studio. I am John Harris, football analyst and Southern reporter. Glad to be with you, even though yesterday was not the most fun day in the world, a frustrating day to say the least. And yet I'll say this about the loss yesterday. Obviously injuries play a pretty big role in in, in everything. There's no question. You know, Philip Gaines uh, gets hurt at the end of the game, and and that just – I saw it happen right in front of me, and I knew immediately. I could almost hear the hit. Uh, but it was some friendly fire bringing down T.Y. Hilton, and that was such a shame because I think Phillip, for the most part against T.Y. Hilton, did a pretty good job when he was matched up. Hilton was targeted 11 times, and he had six catches for 74 yards. Now, he did have the touchdown, but that was on a screen pass. So, relatively speaking, I thought Phillip did a pretty good job. He goes down. Will Fuller goes down. Saw a report from Ian Rappaport earlier today that says he might be out for a few weeks. Obviously, Robe, Bradley Roby dealing with a hamstring injury, and it sounds like he might be out a couple of weeks. So you try and survive till you can get to the bye, but my gosh. But here's the thing. Even with the injuries, I mean, Indianapolis was throwing against a secondary in which the second longest tenured Texan was Lonnie Johnson. He got here in April. So they've got some work to do, especially in man coverage with all the different rub routes, I guarantee you. If John Gruden sees that, sees a man coverage, guess what the Raiders are going to do? They're going to find a way to get guys open with those rub routes that were tremendously effective yesterday. But you kept a drive alive for the Colts. It essentially was uh, it was a field goal drive. It was a third and 12, I think. A third and goal from the 12. And you got a sportsmanlike penalty that kept that drive alive. It turned into a touchdown. So that's a four-point swing right there. On that same drive, you can even take another four points away because there's a defensive holding that was uh, given to the Texans on that particular drive as well. The two interceptions in the fourth quarter and didn't score inside the red zone three times, didn't score on the Watson to Hopkins touchdown, which was taken off the board, yet still picked up almost 400 yards, 21 first downs, gave up. Now it was three sacks, but one of the, one of those sacks came about because Darren Fell stepped on Rod Johnson, and Rod fell over when Darren stepped on him. Rod was trying to get into his pass set, and Rod couldn't go anywhere because Darren had stepped on him. Even all of that, you've got the ball near midfield with 45 seconds left. In fact, the ball was snapped on that final throw, the interception 
at 37 seconds. Let's say Kiki catches that ball. There's 32 seconds. I've kind of done this math. There's 32 seconds left. You get up to the line, probably spike it with 22-23. Now, with no timeouts, that's at that's two plays, maybe three. Say you run a play, you get a first down, you spike it, you get probably two shots at the end zone. I'm convinced in my head, Mark was too, with all the injuries and everything that had gone on, you go for two there. My point in all that is you couldn't have handed the game on a platter anymore to the Colts. And yet, it took them having to come up with that interception at the very end to win the game. So, clean your game up. It's like clean your room, man. Clean your room up. Do the things that you can do. Control the things you can control. You can control procedure penalties. You can control whether you tell the ref you're eligible or not. You learn all those things. I mean, Dan Skipper's playing for the first time in his life in the NFL. He's playing for the first time in his life. And he's definitely playing for the first time in his life as an eligible tight end. So, those things are going to happen. But as you play together and you get a little bit more going in the right direction, hopefully you don't make those mistakes. And that's something the Texans have got to be able to do going forward. Big test, Oakland coming in here. Last time it'll be Oakland. Last time. So, you know what? You want to have a little bit up on your scoreboard having beaten the Oakland Raiders the last time you faced them. Next time, it'll be Las Vegas. But that's for next time. The Raiders are up next. And we talked to our buddy, Andre Ware, about that and many other things this morning. Dre, take me through what you're seeing with Deshaun Watson because you see a couple of games here where they're moving the ball very well, but you do get some stall drives on occasion. You get some turnovers, and it's not all on him, of course. But this offense led by the quarterback, what are you seeing right now? What's the state of the union seven games in? Well, I, I see a, a, a guy that's playing with a tremendous amount of confidence. Uh, you're going to have stalled drives because the defense itself is just, you know, kind of, you know, they get paid too. <laughs> they get a check on Tuesdays, and uh, it's their job to, to stop the offense and not allow you really to have your way. But there are points uh, during that ball game where you thought, okay, here's what you need to see. And I think he's become more comfortable uh, when he's not huddling and they're at the line of scrimmage where he can see and dissect things faster and 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 just kind of you take the thought process really out of it for the entire offensive group. It's just at the line, let's go run a play, and they seem to execute, and certainly he did uh, when they're doing that. So maybe uh, maybe that's a little more in the, in the plans going forward because I think it's an offense that when it gets rolling along, and, and certainly he's the key component in it, when, once it gets rolling, it almost seems unstoppable. Dre, I know we won't get fined by the league for asking about officials and talking about officials, but I want to see the game through your eyes having played the position on the play in which Deshaun is ruled in the grasp. I don't know the last time we've seen an in the grasp sack, but what was your thought while that play was going on as he's in the grasp? I mean, I, Mark at some point said he's going down, and then he doesn't. He throws the touchdown. What was your thought seeing that play and kind of – playing that position, knowing kind of what Deshaun goes through, was he truly in the grasp? How did you see that play? No, I, I, I didn't think so, and I didn't think so at the time. I got a chance to see it over again, and it really confirmed what my, my eyes were seeing, that, that he wasn't down or wasn't uh, in the grasp. Uh, I think officials really have to kind of do their homework uh, because there are certain pop, pocket passers. Now, Tom Brady, uh, immobile guy that's in that situation, uh, you might blow it a little early trying to protect him, a guy that's not very mobile. But an athletic quarterback like Deshaun, a guy that you've seen 
unless you've been sleeping under a rock, make play after play when you think he's down, uh, you have to officiate it a little bit differently. And it's it, the game is changing. It's evolving. I know they want to protect quarterbacks. But as long as he looks like he's going to come out of the, uh, the grasp of a player or the, he's raising the ball up to throw it, allow the play to continue. And, uh, and, and I thought at that point in time, the officials got it wrong. It should have been ruled a touchdown pass to Hopkins. And I'm almost positive that's going to come out at some point uh, here within the week. Dre, in the secondary, and we're going to play a game in the next segment called predict who's going to be in the secondary on Sunday because this is going to be difficult. Well, I, it's, I, want it's, no part, I want no part of that game, by the way. It, it's yeah. very difficult because guys are dropping, and it's uh, and some of these guys are going to come back maybe sooner than later, and you have to hope that that's the case. But it's tough, and uh, what do you make of what you're seeing back there? The pass defense is not highly ranked right now. They do get pressure on the quarterback. They're off to one of their better starts ever with as far as sacking the quarterback goes, but it's been difficult on the back end and largely due to injuries. What are your thoughts? Well, when you play a team like the Colts, you certainly need more than one. And, I mean, if you look at it collectively, yeah, that's the case, but it varies from game to game. So you can pile up stats and sacks against a bad offensive line, and then they look better overall. But in individual games, when you need them against a Jacoby Brissett and a Colts offense, that has an outstanding running game that, that keeps you kind of on your heels a little bit, or they did enough yesterday just to keep you honest, where he had, it seemed like, all day to throw the football at times. Uh, you need you need the pressure because you know on the back end that uh, you're playing with some pieces that aren't normally there. And, and uh, until you get a full complement back, you have to have the front seven play a little bit better than they played yesterday. Uh, certainly against teams like the Colts. So one really takes care of the other. If you got a good secondary that can cover, you still need somewhat of a push up front, but they make up for the lack of pass rush. And I said this yesterday, and a, and a good pass rush makes up for the lack of players on the back end. But if you combine the two, you're not getting pressure and you have injuries and a, and a secondary that's kind of, you know, less than stellar, then uh, then you may, it makes for a bad recipe. You know, Dre, when Laramie Tunsil was traded here at the beginning of the year, uh, everybody was excited, and then we found out the full deal included Kenny Stills. I think we were like, whoa, how does Kenny kind of fit on this team with DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller and Kiki QT? I don't know what this offense does yesterday if Kenny Stills is not out on the field when Will Fuller goes down. That's one injury we didn't talk about. It happened in, I think, the third play of the game where Will pulled his hamstring and then came out of the game. But, Dre, Kenny Stills is on the field. Good things end up happening. He has been so good. What have you seen from him, and why has he been so valuable for this team? Yeah, he's a vet. He's a pro. He's been through it. Um, I, I thought, okay, what do they do with him? I was thinking like you. He's just kind of a – is he a throw-in in this trade? What, what's going to – what are they going to – how are they going to play him, especially with QT healthy and coming back? Well, we haven't seen really all of them. Uh, on the field together very much. And so it's, it would be a good thing if we just get a taste of with a healthy Kenny Stills, a healthy Will Fuller, a healthy Kiki QT, you know, and and then along with Hopkins and the rest of the tight ends. But we just haven't had that a glimpse of that very much. Uh, he's made some catches. He knows defenses. And, and uh, one thing about receivers that you try to teach them when they first get in, or they should learn it in college, but not a lot of them do, is the differences differences in what you do against man coverage and against zone coverages. And he understands 
that completely, which is why sometimes he seems like he's so wide open. And then he'll make the just phenomenal catches like he did yesterday along the sideline. That ball had no room for error. Uh, he, he just reeled it in and made it look routine. It's really, really good to have him back in the fold. Andre Weir joining us. Andre, how good can the Colts be? How scary are they as the season progresses here? Or are they using up all this good fortune early? What are your thoughts on them? No, I don't think they're using it up uh, early, Mark. They've been built uh, from the inside out. Uh, They've added some pieces of Justin Houston that can certainly get after you. Jabal Sheard, we knew that he was an outstanding pass rusher. They're going to get some players back. Uh, in their secondary where we thought, okay, this is a, a weakness that you could attack. But they made up for it because they, they forced the ball out of Deshaun's hands a little bit faster than than uh, we'd liked yesterday because of the pass rush. And that's that goes with what we just spoke about earlier, the pass rush making up or forcing – basically making up for the secondary being, being injured. They're going to get those players back. So they'll get stronger, uh, it would seem like, as the year goes – as the year progresses – Darius Leonard is back. We saw what type of difference that that he's made. I got to feel like if you know he's he's healthy, their record's even better than what it was. I think the Colts are here to stay, even with Andrew Luck uh, having retired. They they're getting enough. Obviously, yesterday from Jacoby Brissett mm. to uh, to make some noise for for quite some time. Yeah, that's scary. And a guy that's making some noise, Dre. That I know that that you. Love because it was a guy we talked about draft night, and he's doing it for the Baltimore Ravens and finding a way each and every week. They just showed his numbers you're watching on NFL Network. In 14 games, he's rushed for about 1,200 yards, and that's Lamar Jackson. But he's more than that. But in a game yesterday where ball security was at a premium playing in the rain in Seattle, he has 113 yards. He convinces Harbaugh to go for it on the fourth down. He then scores a touchdown on that play. The Ravens are pretty scary in large part because of that guy right there, Dre. I, are they are the Ravens the second best team in the in the AFC? Well, they're playing that way right now, Johnny, and it's hard to argue against it. And and he seems to be he being Lamar Jackson uh, getting better each and every week. And when you can when you can have that kind of relationship with your head coach where they trust you, and then you deliver in a big way like that. I mean that that goes a long way. That 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 head coach. A quarterback relationship is a delicate, delicate thing. And he and Harbaugh seem to have, have that thing. They, they seem to be on the same page. I ran it. I raved. I thought people were crazy. Uh, and I said that uh, both privately and publicly, that if you don't like Deshaun, if you don't like Lamar Jackson, then you don't like Deshaun Watson. And I'm sure some scouts felt that way about Deshaun when he was coming out. And matter of fact, I know they did, but, he has shown up and, and played his butt off just like Lamar is starting to do in, in his second year. And so uh, they were a lot alike, a lot of similarities uh, between the two physically. And uh, if you watch Lamar just throw a football, I mean, you come away with it just you're oohing and eyeing because of the way uh, he can fit it into tight holes and, and get it out. Now he's a different kind of player because he he's so dynamic when he pulls it down, but that forces a defense to play 11 on 11. And that's today's, that's today's NFL. That's today's college game. Uh, more and more teams are starting to do that. And if you have one of those weapons, you're better served using it. Now he has to be smart so that he's not injured, but uh, he seems to be playing that way. And, I, and uh, hats off to him. He, he's a tremendous young man. I know his family very well. And I have a tremendous 
amount of respect for him as a player and a person. Well, we'll see him in a few weeks up there, and that's going to be another tough game for this squad as uh, the next couple of weeks. You have the Raiders here on Sunday. Derek Carr, quick trigger on Derek, Andre, and what are your quick thoughts on the Raiders coming in here after they were decimated by the Packers yesterday? Yeah, you just don't know what team you're going to get, and and, uh, with that goes the quarterback and and Derek Carr. It's like, you know, when, when when they're clicking, they're as dangerous as anybody, and that's just the NFL and it's its own right. If you get good quarterback play, uh, they're able to run the football with Josh Jacobs. They they can be a dangerous football team, but as well, they can lay an egg uh, as well. And it, it, so that's therefore you don't know what you're going to get with the Raiders. It's a game at home that you should be able to take care of a little bit later start. So that throws you off just a little bit uh, and not being a, a noon start this week. But uh, this is a game I think the Texans should be able to take care of. And one more thing about Lamar. While we while we're talking about it, he's everybody said and in going into that game that he could stand on the sideline and learn a lot from from Russell Wilson. Well, he did a little bit of teaching of his own uh, <laughs> in yesterday's game, no doubt about it. Well, it, it, it's I'm just thankful he didn't go to Jacksonville. That's all. Yeah. I mean, that, no, when very, I think about that thankful. possibility, well, you know what? Who, who knows? Who knows if he goes to Jacksonville? They may try to put a square peg in a round hole and and try to make him something that. He's totally not, and he's not the player. One thing about coaching is you have to allow the player to be the player and play to his strengths, and I think uh, John Harbaugh has done a magnificent job of that, of allowing Lamar Jackson to be exactly what he is, and they're benefiting from it. They're the number two offense in the league. The Texans are fourth in total offense in the league, and the Cowboys are first, Chiefs are third. So, I mean, this – this game in a few weeks is going to be an offensive showdown, you might think. Okay, I knew we got to get up on a break. Well, I asked both of you to, when Gardner or when uh, Nick Foles is healthy, considering who's in Jacksonville and who's in charge, who is the quarterback for the rest of the year when Nick Foles is healthy? Dre, go, then you, Mark. Gardner Minshew. I mean, you're winning games. It's hard to win games in the NFL. It's hard to get it right at quarterback. Uh, while he's winning, he's the quarterback. No doubt in my mind. I think they try to trade him, although the trade deadline is going to be, what, next week, this yeah. week, whatever. All right, so I'm going to say Foles. I'm going to say I Foles. I think Coughlin will force them to go back They'll to Foles. They'll go back to Foles. I, I think Coughlin will. It's, it's kind and of they, your points, they right? Will, they will crumble because of it. Because the uh, team, has, Minshew has something about him, and the team yep. is playing for Minshew. When you make that change, you don't get the momentum back, and Jacksonville will, will go in the tank. I rarely disagree with my man Andre Ware, but I do a little bit. I agree with his philosophy. Totally. I totally agree with that. I just don't think Coughlin will do it. I think Coughlin wants to go back to Nick Foles. I, I just think that's – you want to see what you paid for. Car's been sitting in the garage for a few months. Yeah, I know that the the F-150 truck has been doing great. It's been doing great. But you know what? The Ferrari seemingly is sitting over – I want to check that out. I guarantee they'll go back to Foles at some point. I should say guarantee. I don't guarantee anything in, in football. Never, never again. Never again. That, that No. But I do think that Foles will get a shot. There's no question. A big thanks to Dre, to John McClain for joining us, obviously to Mark uh, for joining me on the show. Appreciate you guys listening. Hopefully better times are ahead. We'll see you tomorrow. And as always, go Texans.